You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? I'm glad that you could be here, and we're very excited. Actually, this is the final message in the series I have decided as we conclude this month, and we're looking forward to the series next month entitled The Ultimate Avenger. And so we'll be actually showing some clips from the Avengers, but it'll all be approved, family safe and all that, so you don't have to be concerned about that. But uh, it it is an honor to be here this morning and for us to worship together. And and what we want to do right now is take a moment and join our faith together and pray. Uh, Most of you probably heard by now the earthquake in Nepal, and there's an estimated 1,800 lives that have been lost. at this point, and so we just want to pray concerning that situation and, and uh, pray for a relief effort to, to be set in motion so uh, lives can be saved and people can be helped in this time of great need. So let's join our faith together as we bow our heads. Father, we honor you, and as believers, united in faith, we appeal to you, the God of heaven, on behalf of those that have been devastated through this earthquake in Nepal. We pray as relief efforts go into motion, O God, that those in most need, Father, be reached. We pray, Father, for finances, for provision, and and for an effort on the part of people rising up to assist in this time of need. In Jesus' name, we pray for families that have lost loved ones. We pray for the comfort of Jesus Christ to minister to hearts that are hurting right now. And we pray for healing in, in physical bodies that have been affected, Father, that have been injured. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. And Father, I thank you for this service this morning, that you would minister to everyone that has come, that we would be able to experience your presence in a greater measure, that you'd reveal yourself in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, you know, with that, I, I think sometimes in, when we, we see these tragedies happen, we often question, God, how could you let this happen? But we know that we're living in an imperfect world because of the fall. And Jesus came to restore, to heal, to deliver, to set men free from captivity. But the Bible does say that the very earth itself trembles and, and reacts because of, of, of the sin in, in the earth and, and all that. So some of these things that occur as a, as a result of of the fall, a result of the curse. But Jesus came to bring life. He came to bring salvation and, and hope to a hurting world. Isn't that right? Um, last week, I, I want to uh, thank, I, I just want to thank Travis Scavhog for ministering so wonderfully last week. He ministered a message in our series, uh, The Real Jesus, in this I Have Decided series. And how many of you remember his four main points? Oh, good. I'll share them with you if, if you forgot for whatever reason. But uh, four things that Paul was thankful for in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 12 through 17. That was his text that he shared from. And uh, the first was he always leads us. We can be confident of that. And he always leads us, number two, in victory. He's not leading us to a place of defeat. He's leading us in, to a place of victory. And number three, he allows us He allows and uses us to influence others. So God wants to use you to be an influencer to other people. 
And then number four, Jesus empowers our life to minister effectively to others. And, and so I, I, was, I was blessed by this message and encouraged, and I trust that you were too. Again, thank you, Travis, for ministering God's word to us. Uh, you know, the Bible says, and, and I'm going to take this a moment here. Uh, nobody asked. I didn't ask permission to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. The Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due. And um, we have an individual in the congregation today that has given their life in the service of children. A person who was involved with the ministry of Caneland Christian Academy of Early Learning from its very inception. In fact, prior to the time that we opened the doors, this person was involved in helping to plan and, and work together uh, with the lead team to establish a ministry that would serve children in this community. In this month of April actually marks 30 years that this ministry has been serving this community. And the person I'm talking about, if you haven't figured it out already, is, is my darling wife. You know her as Pastor Deb. She's a leader. She's a mentor. She's a servant of servants. And I believe that God has used her to make a difference in this community. And not only in this community, her, her leadership ability was recognized even by other leaders in this nation. She served on national boards as well as state boards to minister and speak into child care. And so I, I want you to stand this morning and honor my wife by, with just a hand clap, if you would. Amen. You may be seated. You know, she has devoted her life to serve others. And I, I'm so blessed to be married to her because um, I'm probably her biggest project. <laughs> uh, along with our four children and along with the rest of you. Uh, she's, she's always, somehow she always finds time to make room for you. You know, if, if you need to talk to her, if you need to see her, she'll find time in her busy schedule uh, to make time for you. And, and I, I tell you, there's different ways we can honor people. We can honor people as, as we've done now with just acknowledgement, words of affirmation. But also we can do that in a monetary way as well. So uh, I want to encourage you uh, just at some point, sometime, just express uh, you know, your appreciation to my wife, my Deb, the woman of my dreams. <laughs> so I love you, honey. And I know she doesn't like this kind of fanfare, but it's too bad, honey. <laughs> yeah, all right. You want to say anything, honey? Okay, okay. All right. Now, we're talking about thinking different. And I was really a little bit challenged by this message, but I thought, oh, there's so much I could say about thinking different because uh, life, every day we're making decisions. And sometimes if, if we're thinking along a certain way, or if it's wrong, the destination, the outcome could be disastrous. And, and yet, you know, uh, we need to think differently when it comes to certain things in life where we have thought wrong. And I'll be the first to admit that there's a lot of things I, I, my thinking was messed up about. But in some areas of my life, I've come to understand 
how to think correctly and how to think in, in accordance to truth and, and godly perspective. And that kind of thinking has impacted my life and changed my life in a positive way. And I, I want to share just a little bit with you. Last night we had, uh, the, we had been invited to go to Green Bay, uh, Providence Academy, a Christian school in Green Bay, was doing a fundraiser. And, and a friend of ours, Kabir, actually hosted the event at his home, and, and uh, he invited us to, to be part of this. This is actually the second time we were able to be there. And about 10 years ago, uh, we were connected to Kabir and Eileen uh, Baja Biamilla and their family through a mutual friend, Pastor Dan Fiedler. And, and for those of you that don't know who Kabir is, he's a former Green Bay Packer. He's recently been inducted into the Hall of Fame, number 94. He's a great football player, but even greater than that, he's a great man of God. And our relationship and the connection really evolved not only because of his passion for Jesus, there was a connection there, but also his love for Christian education. And so over the years now, we've even partnered with him in, in the ministry called Praise Land, as well as he is a partner with Stevens Point Christian Academy. So he's, he's a great man of God. But we were sitting at the table with him. Next to me was Mike Daniels. Uh, next to Deb was Amon Jordan. And so, what's, what? Amon Green. What did I say? Oh, Enjoy, go, yeah. Uh, see, I, I need to be up better on the, the package. I, I go home and do my homework, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, we're, we're sitting next to these guys, and, and uh, Kabir made this statement, and I thought, well, this is something I used in this morning's message. He said, who would have ever thought that when I was a nobody that I would play for the Green Bay Packers with Brett Favre, and then end up being in the Hall of Fame before Brett Favre ever gets there. Who would have ever thought that? And so I was thinking, okay, because sometimes we don't know the potential that we have, so we don't always think in accordance to what God has already put in us concerning our destiny. And so we hold ourselves back because we've limited our thinking. And the scripture tells us in Proverbs 23, 7, that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. A person, you and I, are simply products of our thought life. So what you are is actually founded in your thought life. That becomes the premise of what we become according to what God's word says. And, uh, you know, whether, there's a quote here by Henry Ford. I think we have this on the slide for you. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And this, this is really in line with Proverbs 23, verse 7. And then, how many of you know Thomas Edison? We're thankful we got light bulbs because of him today. Uh, he makes a statement, and quoting him, 5% of the people think, 10% of the people think they think, and the other 85% of... 
Okay, did I, there's a typo there. 5% would rather die than think. All right. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Harlan Ellison makes a quote, uh, quoting her. She says, if you make people think they're thinking, they'll love you. But if you really make them think, they'll hate you. Well, that's, that's an interesting one. And how many of you know Helen Keller, a tremendous leader, a woman who overcame great um, handicaps in her life? She states, people don't like to think. If one thinks, one must reach conclusions. And conclusions are not always pleasant. Because sometimes it causes us to realize our great need and where we're at and identify and locate ourselves. And then here's a quote by myself, and you can write this down. I don't have a slide for this one. One addiction we often overlook in our life is an addiction to our thoughts. Real change occurs when we change our thinking. Okay? And so we see that principle in Proverbs 23, verse 7. Now, I want to talk about a word because the word is a word that we often associate with feeling sorry for what we've done wrong. But this word is repent. This is the word that was a message proclaimed by John the Baptist when he came to his ministry and began to preach in the wilderness. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus picked up that message when he began his earthly ministry and he began to proclaim repentance, a message of repentance. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this word repent simply means to change the way you think. To look at something differently than how you've thought about it before. Okay? And so... Now, and really when John the Baptist and Jesus began to preach repentance, they were bringing forth a godly perspective to, to earth, to humanity, for us to begin to see things maybe in a different light and to begin to think differently than what we did before. Now, what's interesting, uh, repent also means to rethink, okay, rethink through this thing, and it's also used as a military term that we call about face. So it, 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 to do a physical demonstration of it, to repent is to be moving in one direction with one focus, with one mindset, and to immediately turn around and move in another direction with another focus and with another mindset. It means to totally rethink, to turn about, to turn around. And so Jesus and John the Baptist were trying to embrace and engage the hearts of, of their the crowds, the audiences that they were preaching to, to get them to turn around because they knew that they were headed on the path of destruction and they needed to repent. They needed to rethink, okay? Now, when we make decisions, to make a decision, you have to think, you have to rethink, you have to often repent. Now, to embrace God's perspective in life we have to start rethinking some things. Isn't that right? Now, we, there's a little book that I read at Bible school that really changed my life. And it's by Kenneth E. Hagin, and it's called Right and Wrong Thinking. In fact, 
fact, you can actually download this from the internet. It's, it's a free publication. Uh, you can just put Right and Wrong Thinking by Kenneth E. Hagan, and, and there'll be a, a PDF that'll come up in the search engine. You can download it, and you can read it. It's a quick read, but it'll change your life. Now, when we look at Merriam-Webster's definition of repent, it defines the word as to feel or to show that you are sorry for something bad or wrong that you did and that you want to do what is right. Okay, that's Merriam-Webster's definition. It also implies to turn from sin. That's part of the definition as well. And this is often people's understanding of the word repent, to turn from sin to change directions, to, to turn from bad to do something that's right, okay? It's a turnabout in life. It's a change of heart. But the second aspect of this definition, as we see in Merriam-Webster, is to change one's mind. And when we think about that definition, that's the foundation of the word repent, to change your mind. And we have opportunity to change our mind every day. We have choices to make every day, don't we? You can choose to do what's right. You can choose to do what's wrong. I, I always say, take the high road. Choose on the side of, of God, on the side of truth, on the side of right. Because there's times if somebody wrongs you, you want to get even. You want to take revenge. You want to do something to get back. But that's not God's way. You need to rethink, okay, what would Jesus do? And I, I love that slogan. And, uh, you know, it's not so much what would Jesus do, but what did he do? And that's what you need to do, too. Because he is the pattern. He is the example that has been set for you and I to follow. And I believe a true follower of Jesus Christ, they will look at his life as an example and the, the, the wonderful thing about Christianity is not only can we look at his example and live by that example, but he empowers us to do it because he lives within us. His spirit dwells within us to empower us so that we can carry out that life and live how we're supposed to. Um, so, George Bernard Shaw, a quote from him is, progress is impossible without change. And those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. There's a scripture, the scripture for today, the text that we're looking at is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And it reads, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Wow. So what we see here in this passage, this passage gives us criteria for proper thinking, for right thinking. So anything that fits within the, these categories is what we need to think about and think upon and let our mind dwell upon. Now, realize that the devil is battling for your mind. He's trying to get your thoughts off in another direction. 
That's far from any of the virtues that we see in that particular passage listed there. So, all right, let me just break this down a little bit for you. What is true? Which a lot of minds think about what is true. And, and Jesus made a statement in John 17. He says, my word is truth. Thy word is truth. So we, we have truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So there's a freeing ability in the truth. And there's some people that they don't want to hear the truth because they want to remain in their bondage. They're not ready to come out of their addic addictions because it becomes something they're so accustomed to, they don't know how they can live without it. But the truth of God's word will set you free. Okay? So what is true? We, we need to think about what is true. In other words, we need to spend time in the word. We need to renew our thinking according to the word of God. And, and the best way to do that is, is to read it, study it, and then try believing it. Okay? <laughs> and, and realize that according to Romans 12, 2, the word of God has the capacity to transform your life. The word of God is filled with life. It's quick, sharply, power, more powerful than any two-edged sword. It's, it's amazing what it can accomplish in the heart of a person. Now, what is honorable? We're to think on these things. What's honorable? You know, things that speak of, of courage, things that speak uh, to lift up and glorify the God that we serve and encourage and lift up and build up others. What is the honorable thing to do when you're in a crisis? What's the honorable thing to do when you're in a situation that you don't want, don't want to do? If you think through it, you'll come to know what you should do. I, I believe anybody, if you're in a situation, if you just take time to really think through it and look to God's word, that you'll rise up in that situation. Another phrase we see is, what is just? You know, we, we think about justice in our day, and there's so much injustice. And it breaks my heart when I see injustice prevailing in, in, in certain arenas of, of our society and arenas of life. But we are to think, and what's just? What is right? What is something that we need to embrace? What is pure? You know, something that's pure, it means it's untainted with, it, with any thing that would uh, contaminate it. You know, I'm, I'm wearing a, a class ring from Bible school here, and I don't remember exactly, I think it's 90-something percent um, gold where the impurities have been extracted. But it, it's, it, there's a purity in, 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 in gold and because it's, it's been purged of impurity. So when you think of what's pure, it's something that's untainted. And, and so often we can taint our lives with other influences, with other things. We need to think on what is pure, keep our thoughts pure. And pure is more than just not thinking bad thoughts, not thinking lustful thoughts, not thinking evil thoughts, but it's thinking thoughts that are, are in line with, and in tune with God. And pureness means a wholeness, that you're the same through and through. It's pure. Your life needs to be pure. 
uh, it, it has more to do than what we often think about purity, true purity. It means they're sincere. What you see is what you get. To be transparent before others, not to have hidden agendas. To have a pure heart is to have a heart that's totally open to God and open to people. That we're not hiding things. We're not trying to cover things up. Or don't look in that closet. Okay? Now, what is lovely? What is commendable? These are things we're to think about. And then anything of excellence, anything praiseworthy, these are all things that we need to commit time, our thought time towards. Now, all of these phrases that we see in Philippians 4.8 are descriptive of the Bible, God's Word. And so this is, again, the criteria for our thinking. The Word of God is the change agent of our thinking. You can write that down if you're taking notes. The Word of God, the Bible, is the change agent of our thinking. Now, to think different sometimes can be challenging because to think different, you may have to go against the grain because a mindset may be moving all in this direction. But to think differently, you might have to go against the grain. You might have to go upstream. It's easier to go downstream, isn't it? But yet, we need to think different. We shouldn't fear change. We often get comfortable with the way things are. You know, we, we can think outside the box, but we should not think outside the Bible. Now, let me qualify that, because uh, uh, when it comes to the truth, when it comes to the truth, you know, some people think truth is um, relative. In other words, truth is whatever you want it to be. But truth is absolute. And let me just say this, because you can never change the truth, but you can always change a lie. Because if somebody tells a lie, maybe they might add to that lie. Maybe they might twist the story and change that lie. It can continue to change, but the truth always remains consistent. It cannot change because God cannot change. And God is truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Okay? So, now, your life will never change until you change the way you think. And your life will always move in the direction of your most dominant thought. That's where we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our thinking. Because your heart's going to gravitate. It's going to move in that direction. And before you know it, you might find you, yourself in a place of corruption. A place of shame. A place of, of guilt. A place where you feel alienated from God. Alienated from others. Secluded. Now... What we need to do, and the scripture actually addresses a person in that kind of situation in Isaiah chapter 55, starting at verse 7. He said, let the wicked forsake his way. And let me just take a brief pause and talk about what it means to be wicked. Because we think of a wicked person like they're, they're the ultimate of evil, you know. They got horns growing up. They, they're wearing a red suit and, and they're just, you know, an evil person. But the word wicked means to be twisted. 
In other words, you can be just a little bit off. We have wicker furniture. That comes from the word wicked, believe it or not. Because the wicker furniture, it's all these things twisted to make a chair, twisted to make a table, whatever. All these things intertwangle and are twisted. But something that's wicked, it's twisted from the truth. It's to take the truth and the trist, twist it to try to alter it in some way so it no longer becomes the truth. Because if you attempt to change the truth, it's no longer the truth. Okay? You, because, you, as I said earlier, you cannot change the truth. If you attempt to do it, then it becomes twisted, then it's not the truth. Okay? All right. Are you following me this morning? Uh, so, let's read on. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So this is speaking to the person whose mind isn't renewed to the word of God. They're maybe not following Jesus. It says, let him return to the Lord. And this is where that word we see, repent. That's, that's also a use of the word repent. Return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. In other words, God is waiting to pardon. He's waiting to forgive. In verse 8, and you probably heard this in Sunday school class over the year, you probably heard this at some point in your life. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I want to pause here a moment because people have used this as a cop-out passage. They say, we will never understand God. Because his thoughts are up here, mine are down here. There's no way I can ever think like God thinks or have his thoughts because they're way above me and beyond me. But yet, you need to understand that God is addressing the wicked or the person who's not right with God necessarily. And so my challenge to you is you and I, can, we can rise up to God's higher thoughts. We can rise up to understand God's ways. They are not out of reach or out of touch with our lives. We can think his thoughts. We can walk in his ways. And there's all kinds of other passages that, that will prove that out, okay? But, so, but you might say, well, what are your thoughts, God? What are your ways? We can know them. In second, or actually 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, when we say, how can we understand his thoughts? We see an important passage. And in, in the context of the passage, it's talking about the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives. Okay? But then in verse 16, it says, For who has, understand, or who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Wow. We have have the mind of Christ. So uh, we're without excuse. Uh, we just need to use it. If we have the mind of Christ, then we need to be uh, utilizing the mind that he's given us. Because you need to understand the significance of what it means to become a Christian because Christianity is Christ in us. He comes to dwell in us. He comes to unite himself with us. That is the mystery that was hidden in ages past, now revealed under this new covenant. Christ in us, the hope of glory, he actually lives in us. He actually can relate and move and reveal himself in our lives. Well, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing. You know, some people say, well, you know, I became a Christian. 
that doesn't mean you're just doing a church or anything like that. Uh, that means you joined yourself with Jesus Christ. You become one with him. There's a union. There's a relationship. There's a connection. And when I came to Jesus Christ as a 17-year-old young man and prayed and received him into my heart and life, there was such a dramatic change that took place. It impacted my life in such a way that I started making changes, and it wasn't because I was forced to so that I could be a Christian. It was because I wanted to, because I didn't want to live my life the way I lived before. There was something different that impacted my heart because he gives us his nature. Scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. One translation says we become a new creation, something that didn't exist before when we have the life of God in us, okay? So have you decided to think differently? Hopefully by now, maybe maybe saying, well, I need to think different. (laughs) If you make the decision to think different, it will result in changes that will matter in your life. See, you don't have to live a life of despair. You don't have to live your life with that sense of hopelessness. You don't have to live your life in fear or dread of of the future. You don't have to live your life in depression. You don't have to live your life with unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. You don't have to live your life addicted to sin, addicted to vices that, that you can't live without. You don't have to live your life in bondage. You can change. Now, some people, they're they're living their life on half empty. And if you're living your life on half empty, you don't have to. Maybe we've been living our life on half empty too long because God longs to fill your life with himself. I have four points I want to share with you this morning, and and then we're going to pray. When you change your thinking, you change your beliefs. And so we need to really look at what are areas of my thinking that I need to change. And let the Bible be the standard of the way you think and why you think the way you think. Let the Bible become that standard. So... You may be challenged by some of the principles of the word because it may go contrary to how you think and how you presently believe. But if you submit to the word of God, which is eternal, the word of God will, in fact, have a transforming impact upon your life. Okay, it really will. Now, you might say, isn't that just print in a book? No, within the pages of the Bible, there's... God's will revealed. It's it's his heart. It's been preserved. It's been protected. It's been handed down to us. God saw to it that his word would be preserved so that you could have it in your own hand, so that you could put it in your heart and renew your mind to it, okay? Now, just let the word of God be downloaded. You know, take that download of his word. Number two, when you change your beliefs, you change your expectations, you know, when I, when I began to believe in something, I, I can remember when I first discovered that, as I was reading in the Scripture, that Jesus healed the sick. 
and then dealing with physical sickness and infirmity in my own body, I began to discover, God, you want me to be whole. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You healed the sick then. You don't want me to be sick now. So my expectation for healing was established when I began to change how I believed. My expectation that God wanted to do something in my life regarding my physical well-being. And then in every other area of all that we deal with in life. Then number three, when you change your expectations, you change your attitude. And attitude is a big deal. And some, some people's attitude is, is sometimes pretty negative and depressing and all that. But uh, uh, your attitude, I tell you, will affect people around you. And you probably heard it said your attitude determines your altitude, how high you go. Maintaining a good attitude. And with a good attitude, you can encourage others. You can inspire others. You can build others up. You can be somebody that, that's a catalyst for change when you have the right attitude. And then number four, when you change your attitude, you change your actions, resulting in a changed life. And it's all because of Jesus. We have to give him the credit for that. But yet he's given you a free will. He's given you the capacity to make a choice, to make a decision. And so that's in your hand. And so uh, we, we want to uh, pray, and then uh, we're going to uh, give you an opportunity to share and be generous in, in your giving. And um, Father, we just thank you for this message and the ministry of your word. And at this point, Father, we welcome change that you want to bring. But, but Father, we know that for change to occur, we must begin to think differently. Father, we desire the outcome of our life to produce eternal fruit for your kingdom, the outcome of our life to bring glory and honor to your name. Help us, Father, to change our thinking, to repent from wrong thinking, thinking that's contrary to your word, contrary to your principles. In Jesus' name, Father, we give you praise. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.